Happy Sunday, Tampa Bay. Thanks for joining us this week on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. I'm Robert Johnson, president of the Duncan Duo, here with Mike Corgan from Cross Country Mortgage. How are you, Mike? I'm doing great. Good morning. Good morning. Another another different week in the real estate world. I think this, you know, these past couple months have definitely been crazy um, as far as, you know, what rates have been doing, what sales have been doing, how everything's changing. I mean, everything's changing, but everything's kind of still staying the same. I will say that. So definitely been an interesting time in the real estate. Yeah, world. it's like organized chaos out there right <laughs> now. Um, or I don't know if it's even organized is the right word. Yeah, there's definitely been a, a ton of changes that have that have happened. Um, and we've been talking about a lot of these things with yes, inflation, with interest rates, with inventory, um, and all these things that are happening. But it's it, it certainly is always an interesting market, and uh, that's why we get uh, to get on here with you every Sunday morning. Yeah, and so what I've noticed actually looking out there, because um, I look at different markets all around the country, I've actually noticed that where these rates and where stuff is starting to start to impact things has actually been some of the vacation home markets. Yes. Um, and I think that those are not markets that people are, that a lot of people are living in full time. Um, I think that's people getting um, secondary loans or getting uh, properties to maybe do Airbnb or something like that. Now, there were some other changes with um, vacation or second home loans on top of just the interest rates because the government did increase the fees, correct? Correct. Yeah. So in January, so Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac came out and they put um, what are called level li- loan level pricing adjustments. So basically they added extra fees right, right. Um, on there um, to second homes and um, also high balance loans, which are over the conforming limit in, in, in certain areas that they put. And some of them are rather substantial. Up to four, 4.125% in fees wow. um, were added to some of the second homes, depending on, on the characteristics of, of the way you're buying. And so a lot of people initially out there thought that, hey, is this just a money grab by the government, right? Are they going out there and getting a money grab? And and so um, it's interesting you bring this up because I actually went and, and, and saw a speaker um, that's part of the Mortgage Bankers Association this week. And so what they're hoping is going to happen and what they're lobbying for out there now with them is that they are going to use this extra money that they're collecting on second homes and actually help offset that for the first-time home buyers, for people that. Um, at the lower level. And so looking at what are the goals of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac was to provide um, you know, liquidity in the marketplace. But also a big push now is for the underserved markets, right? And for areas that have been, you know, historically underserved and that sort of stuff and, and being able to help people. And so they're hoping to, br- with the, the additional cost for the second home vacation home, right? One way, you know, people are saying housing could be messed up. Not everybody gets, should be able to buy a second home right. and then no, you know, certain people can't buy a first home. So they're hoping to offset that and make it less expensive for, um, you know, some of the lower level. Yeah, it reminded me a couple years ago, completely different, but it reminded me a couple years ago of when they, um, government wanted to increase fees. Um, I feel like it was on everybody. I don't remember the specifics, yeah, but they kind of refinanced. They yes, did do it. Yes. They rolled it out and then they quickly pulled it back. And I wasn't sure if that was going to happen again. Yeah, I don't. It, it doesn't sound like, at least from what I'm hearing from, from experts out there, it doesn't sound like this is something that is going to ultimately be pulled back. But what most likely will happen is sometime here in the future, they will use that money that they've been collecting to offset some primary homes, primary residences um, on some of the, the different parameters, lower credit scores and that sort of thing to bring down the pricing adjustments on those. So it's cheaper to buy those homes. And yeah. it's, it's less 
less expensive, excuse me, um, to be able to get those. Yeah, it's so interesting what's happened in some of those markets because, I mean, I was looking a couple months ago and there was three, four, five homes on the market in some right. of these markets. I mean, very, very low inventory. And, you know, when I checked yesterday, there was 38 homes on the market. So, and that's just not in one market. I mean, we've seen a lot of inventory increases across a lot of markets. However, I have not noticed that hurting our market over by the beach yet, which people are buying vacation homes over there. So, but I think it's different here because there's a lot of people that also, as you do, live by the beach. Correct. Yeah. I think it's still a big chunk of them are, are primary residences, yes. um, you know, that are out there. So that in that case, it doesn't affect it. And yeah, I don't see it affecting as much. And a lot, I mean, we've seen this in Florida this year and we've talked about it so much more, especially in the second home. Um, category are cash purchases. Totally. So, so, and and that probably will continue to increase, so that they don't have to pay the increased fees on that. So you may see more people, and I think the government and Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are okay with that, right? Having more of that, especially if they can use um, some of those funds and everything else to promote for primary residents and promote mm-hmm. home ownership at, at different levels. Well, and a lot of those people that are paying cash, I mean, some of them aren't even getting insurance on the property, which also ultimately is. Probably a good thing as far as like government backed insurance, well, sure. however, all the rules are there. But yeah, I do agree with you. I think that especially locally, we see a ton of cash sales in the secondary market. We see, I mean, we see a very high percentage of cash sales anyway. But usually, when you're over by the beach, you're not getting these institutional investors that are coming in and buying a ton of property, but you are seeing people from up north spending cash for second homes or primary residences and moving down. That's what we see a lot of. Yeah, I I heard a stat earlier this week, or it's not even a statistic, but just a number that through the first quarter of this year in the the entire state of Florida, there were 6,000 more transactions that were all cash through the first quarter, 6,000 transactions through the first quarter compared to last year. Um, And so I'm not sure exactly what percentage that is, but I mean, 6,000 is a lot of transactions. A lot. And, you know, compared to to just a year ago, that's there. And so you are seeing more cash in the marketplace. Yeah. And I think that that goes back to inflation too. You know, when inflation is high, people want to put their assets, especially if they have a lot of cash in the bank or in other spots like the stock market, who knows where they're putting the cash, but they want to put it in physical, tangible assets like real estate, which is another thing that's taking inventory off of our market. Right, exactly. I mean, people do want to, you know, because if inflation's just eating away at your cash, so you want to do something with it. Maybe you're not comfortable going into the stock market because that can be more volatile. Well, one of the natural um, hedges against inflation is real estate, right? Tangible assets, mm-hmm. real estate's a physical property and that sort of thing. And so, yeah, I think you're seeing more people do that. And we hear about it you see the big institutional investors going this route, right? And yes. I know there's a lot of, of of ruckus in the marketplace now about being upset about that, of some of these big, huge hedge funds coming out and buying entire neighborhoods and, and hundreds and hundreds of homes. And, and that's what they're doing. Yes, absolutely. And they're, you know, they're looking at stuff, where, I mean, especially in the multi, you know, there was an article this week that Goldman Sachs uh, purchased a uh, a large uh, condo bu- or apartment building in downtown Tampa, and it sold for, you know, tens of millions more than it sold for a couple years ago. And then it was just built a couple years before that. So when you look at the markup on this thing, I mean, it sold for tens of millions of dollars more than it costs to construct. I mean, maybe a hundred million more than the original construction price. I don't know exactly, but sometimes when you're looking at that. I mean, I don't know all the numbers. I'm not a financial analyst. I'm not running these numbers. But some of these places they're purchasing, 
the rents don't even cover really the debt service, but it's really about where can they put the money and is it going to in the future? You know, is that going, is that asset going to cover itself in the future? And again, it might cover itself now. I don't know the numbers, right. but it's basically what can we do with these numbers in order to get a return now or in the future based on a purchase? And right. years ago, when we had hedge funds in our market back in 2012 and 2013, when this first started and there was large hedge funds in the market then, um, we worked with them to purchase some property. I used to think then, this hedge fund is crazy. I can't believe that they're spending people's money buying this real estate. These rents will never cover themselves. This purchase price is high. And look where they are now. Sure. So, right. and I mean, that was 2012, 2013. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're you're seeing a lot of that, and there's a lot of people out there that in in the real estate and the mortgage community are that are upset about how many single family homes a lot of these hedge funds are buying because they're eating up. You know, we have a lack of inventory, yeah. and so then the inventory we do have is being eaten up by some of these the, these places, and it makes it harder for everything to come in. And they have access to cash and capital, and they're coming in and, and, and they're buying it, but um, they're trying to take advantage. They got to deploy their their investors' right. capital, and they're t- taking advantage of the higher rents, et cetera, et cetera. So. And I, I will say there, especially with new construction, um, like we had just briefly mentioned, there's hedge funds that would love to go out there and buy entire neighborhoods. However, a lot of builders, I know of at least two off the top of my head, and I, I won't say who they are because who knows, it could change tomorrow. But I know that some builders won't sell to hedge funds sure. which or, or institutional investors or anybody who's going to you know, rent the property uh, out and owns multiple properties. I mean, I think some builders are really doing the right thing by doing that. I think long term, it is actually a good, obviously, it's a good thing for the market, but it's a good thing for the neighborhood. Um, And then some neighborhoods are going back and saying, okay, we need to put some kind of rental restrictions because we don't want the institutional investors coming in five years down the line or maybe to purchase some of our resale properties. So you're seeing that too in the market. So it's interesting how quick it's kind of changing. Yeah. Are you seeing that there here in Tampa Bay that there is an uptick in in inventory or, you know, whether it's anecdotally or through the numbers that, that are coming out there? So far, I have not. Okay. And we do a lot of, we do a lot of business. And I've said many times on the show that I feel like that's a good thing because we can kind of see trends, okay? Now, we have not seen an uptick in listings hitting the market from our team. Now, I have not looked market total, but we usually very closely trend the market and have for years and years and years. So I would tell you that in the market, there hasn't been a large uptick at this point. Yeah, and that's why I like to ask you because I mean, your team is so large and you guys do so many transactions. It tends to be a proxy for what's yeah. going on in the greater market, right? You know, that's going to be out there. So I'm mean, just interested because sometimes, you know, we start to see these things or you hear people talking about it before it shows up in the numbers, yes. right? Before it shows up in the statistics and we try and bring that info. But it sounds like so far, it's we're just not seeing that yet. Yeah, and there are some things that we are seeing okay. that I will definitely talk to you about after the break because there are some things that I've been looking at the numbers and I've been looking at. And I started looking at this morning um, because I was doing some of our numbers and and looking year over year. Um, Okay. So we can talk about that after the quick break. But 
how do they get in touch with you if they want to talk about mortgage and being able to purchase one of these properties? Yeah, um, call us anytime. Um, you can reach me directly at 813-377-2743. Again, 813-377-2743. Or go to crosscountrytampa.com, crosscountrytampa.com. Awesome. And we'll be back right after this quick break. Thanks for sticking with us through the break here on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. I'm Robert Johnson, president of the Duncan Duo, here with Mike Corgan from Cross Country Mortgage. Talking about all the things that we're seeing as far as trends in the market, what's happening with the market, what's happening with rates, just really having a good conversation here today. And we were talking earlier um, before the break about inventory and if we were starting as a group to see any kind of change in the market. Uh, Because I talked earlier about how I've noticed nationally some changes in some vacation home markets. So one of the things I have not noticed in our market yet is inventory going up. Um, what I will say that I have noticed is that people wanting, like raising their hand and saying, I want to sell, or I'm thinking about selling, or I want to talk to you about the value of my home, that for the first time in the last two months has actually been comparable to last year. Okay. Now, it sounds, you know, statistically, if you were talking about the economy or whatever, you would say, oh, that's flat. There's no year over year gains or whatever. It doesn't sound like it's that big of a deal. Oh, it's equal to last year. Well, if you go over the past two years, every month, year over year was less and less and less. I thought, my gosh, are we going to have anybody that wants to sell their home? So, when you're talking about people raising their hand saying, yeah, I'm thinking about it. I might want to sell. I might want to talk to you about the value of my home. To have two months in a row where it's pretty much identical as far as our team is to last year, to me, I think that, okay, well, that's some stabilization. That's some you know, people thinking maybe it's time to sell. Maybe I'm going to go ahead and pull the trigger. Maybe I don't mind the interest rates being higher. Maybe I want to just go out there and jump on it now so they don't go even higher. But it's people that actually are not deciding to wait. And every month it was the same, uh, the same statistic of less people, less people, less people. You know, I'm thinking, looking at the agents like, my gosh, I, I hope that people want to start selling their homes. But I think that having two months in a row, I do think that that's a trend, especially when I look at, you know, once we get to the end of the month in May and I can kind of look at May over May of last year, if that's three months in a row, I would tell you that's like a solid trend where at least we're not going to be dipping. Now, it looks like inventory is still really low and we kind of keep talking about this in different sales things, the different conferences that it's almost bad to say inventory is low because inventory actually hasn't been low it's actually just that the inventory is moving so fast. Yes. So yes, when you're looking at what's on the market, it's less. When you're looking at what's out there, it's less. But that's because whatever hits the market moves super fast. Sure. So, you know, if you start to see a stabilization and maybe stuff sitting on the market a little longer, I think that ultimately that's a good thing because it, you know, inventory then looks like it's, there's more inventory. 
Yeah, I mean, it's that, I mean that makes perfect sense. How long it's sitting on the market, and how long you know the average time on market has gone on there, and so when that remains really low, you're just moving through the inventory so much quicker, yes. right? Turning it over more and more. Yeah, and it's interesting to to hear that more people are inquiring about it, and and I wonder if you know we're now starting to see the interest rates rose in the beginning of the year. It's all over the media. Everybody's talking about it now. How much they've gone up. Everybody's feeling inflation, whether at the grocery store, or the gas pump. That if there's some sellers out there now that are wondering, hey, do I need to sell now um, or get off the, and that's why you're getting more inquiries, do I need to get off the, you know, off the, you know, pot and, get, and put it up there and list it for sale to take advantage of it before interest rates start to erode that and it turns? Yeah, and I think that that is what you're seeing, and I think that, um, you know, even here or there, if you have people again not buying vacation homes as much. Maybe um, different factors, even nationally, could change the perception of the public with what's going on in the real estate market. And I think that if more people decide that, hey, now is probably a good time to sell, or maybe if inventory goes up, just because it's sitting on the market longer, not getting 20 or 30 offers, which we are still seeing, by the way, on some properties, just so everybody knows. Um, But if that's not taking as long, you know, if if it's sitting out there longer, and maybe somebody wants to sell and now they can actually find something that they want to buy on the market, that loosens up the market a little bit and actually helps everybody. Yes. And I think that part of our issue, and we've talked about this before, has just been the market so stagnant that people want to sell. They just can't find anything they want to buy for the price right, or for the payment or whatever. But I think that the more that comes on the market and maybe takes a little longer to sell, I think that starts to loosen that up. And I think we're so far into low inventory that anything would be good. Yeah, know, I mean, it, right. I mean, we've we've been sort of asking for it or begging for it for, for a couple of years now. It's been the narrative is going on. It'll be interesting to see over the course of the next month as schools start letting out, right? And it's going to be there. It's prime time season. Yes. You know, that's why there's a spring and a summer buying season. We'll see if more stuff comes on and, and what will happen. And, of course, we'll uh, keep an eye on and report it back to you here. Yeah, absolutely. And if you are thinking about selling your home or if you want to know what the value of your home is today, We'd love to chat with you at the Duncan Duo team. You can give us a call, 813-359-8990. You can go to our website, DuncanDuoTeam.com. We can help you. We can do anything you need. You know, you need us to evaluate your property, give you some tips on how to get the most of your property, help you find a property. I mean, we can do anything for you. Go to any of our socials. We'd love to chat with you there. Check out what we're doing there. And we'll be back right after this quick break. And we're back here on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. Thanks for sticking with us through that long break. I'm Robert Johnson, president of the Duncan Duo team, here with Mike Corgan from Cross Country Mortgage. Love to um, go over some different things that interest rates might be affecting, not just real estate purchases, which again, they don't always, mortgage rates don't always uh, trail interest rates as as we've talked so much about on here. But What does change with interest rates most of the time is things like credit card payments, things like, um, you know, anything that is adjustable. 
Right. So, the, yeah, when, when you hear on the news and the media that the, the Federal Reserve is, or the, is raising the Fed funds rate, that's actually a short term interest rate. It's actually an overnight interest rate between the government and banks that, that go in there. So it's a short term interest rate. So what it does affect immediately are things that have shorter durations. So, it, you know, you'll see it affect in a positive way your savings account right in your bank. It may trickle up. Now, you're not going to get the same amount. The bank's not going to give you the same amount the Fed raises rates on. Does that but, happen right <laughs> away? Like, yeah, most of the time they're coming out and they'll okay. make announcements. I saw last time when they raised rates, the banks the very next day, um, again, we're, we're coming out and saying they're going to raise it. But again, not an equal one-to-one relationship. But what you will see that's going to cost you more money is for things like your car loans, things like adjustable rates on home equity lines and things like that. Your credit card interest rate definitely is going to be there. Lots of times they take you know, the prime rate plus, and so they're going to start adding some of those things. So you'll see those things start to go up. Um, and so the cost of those things are going to become more expensive. Yeah, and there's, you know, and when you're looking at debt to income ratio, when you're looking at qualifying for a mortgage, again, when mortgage rates go up, we think, oh, that's going to affect my debt to income ratio. You know, that's going to affect what I can afford every month. But all of those things changing and going up with interest rates actually also affects your debt to income because that is going to say, okay, well, how much are you spending every month to service this debt that you have? Right, for sure. So your minimum payments may go up on your credit card, which is what we're going to look at. Um, you know, most of the time, car loans are, are, are fixed rate loans. So if you already already have a car, you know that most likely won't change. But if you do go out and buy a new car, right, and right. so that comes up, and it's kind of one of our don'ts, right? We send a do's and don'ts list. <laughs> do not buy a new. <laughs> car. Yeah, you know, don't buy a new car. Don't, uh, you know, don't go to your local uh, furniture store and, and, and buy all the furniture on the house prior to. But some, you know, buying some of those things can mess up your debt to income ratio. And when we say that, that's really just, you know, how much debt do you have every single month? What are your payments every month compared to how much gross income you have coming in? That's what debt to income ratio is. And so some people think, oh, well, no, no big deal. I'm just going to buy a new car. That won't affect everything. And it can. It can knock you out of. And, and so before you ever make any sort of major purchase, um, especially when you're under contract to buy a house, you definitely need to talk to um, your mortgage lender, um, your real estate agent, you know, um, some of the other don'ts. Um, not a time to switch jobs <laughs> when, when you're uh, when you're in the process of qualifying for, for, for a loan. Um, you know, not a time to quit your you, job. You'd be surprised with how I mean, no, you wouldn't be surprised, but right. people, the public would be surprised how often that happens. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say that it, I was going to say it almost seems like common sense, but you would be shocked um, on how many times in a given month and a year that, you know, we do a verification up front, but then we're required um, to do a verification at the end of the process as well to make sure you still work right. there. And especially, you'd be shocked how many times people just don't even tell us. And so we go to do the verification and they're like, oh, sorry, they're no longer employed. Right. And we contact somebody and they're like, oh, yeah, I just got a new job. Which is usually a better job. Like, it's usually like they moved because the opportunity is better and the pay is better, but that doesn't matter. Right. Usually, right. And and, and a lot of times it'll work out fine. If you're on a salary and, and you went from one salary and now you have a higher salary and everything else can be there. But if you're in a role where your income is variable and depending on the loan type that you're getting, whether it's you're getting commissions, bonuses, and that's a lot part of your income, how far we get, you got to be on a job a certain amount of time before we can do that. 
that, or you go from a salary to a commission job where you may make more money because you're, but you don't have a history of making commissions. We're not going to be able to use that. So, you know, the message out there, whether if you're going to make a major purchase, if you're going to make, you know, really any major life decision, um, you know, as far as switching jobs, uh, major purchases, anything as far as, you know, uh, um, marriage, right? Like, I mean, people come to, you know, don't, you know, if you're going to get married or get divorced or split up, I mean, all of those things, while you're under contract, make sure you're talking to your real estate agent, your mortgage um, professional before you do any of those things, because they really can throw a wrinkle into all of it. I wouldn't have even thought about the marriage thing. You'd be, I mean, again, you'd be surprised that, you know, that that goes into it. And again, if you're getting married, um, usually not a big deal. Well, what I have seen is, not to cut you off, but what I have seen is People, a single person was buying a home and you didn't know that they were actually in the middle of getting divorced right. or getting divorced sometime in the process because they might have, maybe they were single or and separated for like two years. Who knows? Yes. And that's where I've seen that get messed right. up. Right. And that can cause problems. And we're not attorneys, right? Well, I'll give the, the Andrew Duncan no, yes, kind of, of caveat here. We're not attorneys and consult your attorney and all that other stuff. But you know, there are laws in the state of Florida when you are buying a, you know, especially a primary residence here with the homestead rights and everything else is that you, if you are legally married, you cannot just buy it if you're separated that's going there. So in the state of Florida, Florida, there is no such thing as a legal separation, right? It doesn't exist. You're either married or you're not. Again, I'm not an attorney. By, by, by <laughs> I hear all the means. attorneys so, down there right in the So oh. call the attorneys, but there's no such thing as that that's going to be there. So if you're still legally married, regardless of whether or not your spouse lives with you or you've been you know, gone for several years, they need to be involved in the transaction one way or another. And we've had situations where people have told us it's been a long time, right? It's it's been, you know, several years and they just don't know where somebody is. Well, that that will mess everything up. So again, make sure, you know, I guess the point of this is disclose all that information to your real estate agent, to your mortgage professional. Generally speaking, if we know what's there and we know the ch- potential challenges that are there, we can figure out what we need to do about it. The surprise at the end of the process is where it gets really painful. Well, and th- this this conversation was prompted from actually an article that we, that we read. And it, in the article, it actually says to not apply for credit yes. for six months before the mortgage process. Now, what what are your thoughts on that? Or what do you think about yeah, that? Yeah, so the, the reason I think the article says that is so that every time you go out and you apply for credit, um, you will get a small um, reduction in your credit score you know, a, a few points or whatnot. They'll never tell you the exact number right. or anything else that's going to be there. Um, because what it does show is it shows that you are most likely, if you've applied for credit, that you're most likely to take on new debt um, that's going to be there. Now, the good news is the credit bureaus got smart and they said, well, listen, if you're shopping for a mortgage or you're shopping for a car, as long as it's in the same category and, you know, you go shopping for a mortgage and you have five mortgage companies pull your credit because they're all going to need to look at your credit. They're only going to hit you one time for that. They're not going to penalize you for shopping. They give you a three-week period of time to be able to do that. Right. But what you don't want to do is go out there, apply for a mortgage, apply for a car, go get the furniture shopping, go get, you know, apply for the credit card to get 10% off at your favorite department store, <laughs> um, you know, or the next time you buy tires or those types of things. Because what all those inquiries do is it looks like you may be about to take on a whole bunch of debt that we can't see, and therefore your score will go down. Right. If your score goes down, everything becomes more expensive. Well, and it gives an example of, I mean, your score might be 701, and an inquiry might 
even if you don't get the debt, an inquiry might send your score down to six ninety nine. Correct, and and so there's there's again there's pricing adjustments, and they have to you got to you got to have lines right there that's going to be there, and lots of times they're in twenty point buckets. So your example there, if you go from seven hundred one to six ninety nine, that may cost you thousands of dollars more because you fell below that seven hundred mark, or right. maybe you don't qualify for the loan because it that that program has a minimum of seven hundred. And you're just like, man, I just wanted to save 10% at, at my favorite. Right. You know, you're not thinking anything of it. And that's why they say just stay away from it, um, you know, as you're you're getting ready to buy a home. Yeah. And it also the article also gave an example. And again, this gets down to what the interest rate is, what uh, a whole bunch of stuff. But it gave an example of, you know, a $430 car payment can impact your mortgage buying power by $100,000. Yes. And, and a $430 car payment in today's world is actually pretty reasonable. Correct. I mean, right. So, and to have that impact your mortgage purchasing power by $100,000, that's a big deal. You yes. know, and so I think that when you're looking at stuff like that, you have to look at it as, okay, how is this going to affect what I can qualify for? Um, and not to get too far off the rails, but that's why I also tell people about um, CDD fees. HOA fees, you know, things like that, because when those add up to the same amount, it decreases your purchasing. Correct. Power. And you got to look at those when you're out there shopping for houses. Flood insurance is another one that, you know, sometimes people don't aren't don't realize. And there's a ton of flood areas here in Florida. So Absolutely. especially if you're coming from out of state. Mm-hmm. So I think that the most important thing before you start your process of buying a property, and I always say this, is to talk to a great realtor and a great mortgage person, because sure. I think that most of the time they have great relationships with each other. Um, they can point you to the right direction of what you need as far as qualification. And Mike is a great lender. And that's why I think that you should reach out to him, even if you're not ready, like right now, even if you're saying, okay, I think that within the next year, you know, maybe you just signed a lease, maybe you're about six months into a lease, whatever. I think that if you're thinking, okay, I think within the next year I'm going to be ready to buy, I think that that's actually a great time to talk to a lender to make sure you get all your ducks in a row. Now, the interest rate's going to be different and there's going to be things that change, but just to get an idea of what you need to do to prepare where you are now and how you can get yourself into a better spot, no matter what the interest rate is, okay? So... Mike, again, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, you can. It, it is great. Just real quick, and I'll give you my contact information to establish a baseline, yes. even if you're farther down the road, so you know kind of where you're at today. Even though things will change in the marketplace, but um, happy to talk through any of that stuff. And you can reach me at eight one three. 377-2743. Again, it's 813-377-2743. Yeah. And reach out to one of our buyer's agents. We can point you in the right direction. Um, you know, if you want to take a look at a property, we definitely want to have you pre-qualified. We definitely want you to know what your purchasing power is. Um, and we can point you in the right direction as well. Reach out to us, 813-359-8990. Go to our website, duncanduo.com. Go to our socials. We'd love to chat with you there. Um, and we'll be back right after this quick break here on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. We're back for our last segment here on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. I'm Robert Johnson, president of the Duncan Duo, here with Mike Corrigan from Cross Country Mortgage, talking about the ins and outs, really, of the mortgage world and how it's um, changing qualifications for real estate, You know how much you can purchase, what you can afford. Um, but things that I think people take for granted is maybe getting in touch with the lender, figuring out how to start that process, and really how you need to set yourself up for success in order to do that. Um, and one of the things that was mentioned in an article um, that I think is great is 
really just laying out the steps of what you need to get that pre-approval started. We can kind of go through these things and talk about them or maybe if there's stuff that's missing here with what you guys require or maybe this could be even a little bit out of date. I don't, you know, I don't know because I'm not in the mortgage world. So number one, pay stubs from the last 30 days showing your year-to-date income. Yeah, you definitely are going to need that. Um, if you are a wage earner, you're working for somebody else, you're going to need pay stubs covering a 30-day period. Um, so if you get paid once a month, it's one. If you get paid <laughs> once a week, it's four, right? Like, I mean, that's what, you know, people yes. think, you know, oh, I just need two pay stubs. No, you need 30 days worth and we need to cover it. Uh, number two, two years of federal tax returns. Yeah, and most of the time we are going to need your federal tax returns. Um, there are times where we won't need those, and that's why you talk to a mortgage professional. And, you know, w- listen, we're not going to ask you for more than, than we need to get from you um, that's going to be there. But most of the time you need two years federal tax returns. I know we don't file state returns here in Florida, right. but if you're coming from another state or you're listening from another state, we never do need your state tax returns. We're never going to look at those, so it would just be the federal returns. Number three, two years of W-2 forms from your employer. Yeah, you're always going to need your last year's, you know, last two years W-2s that you're going to get from there. And if it's from in a previous employer, you know, you can do there. The good news is with this, a lot of times now, you know, the services, the payroll services out there, the the ADPs of the world, the paychecks and some of the other ones, you can log online and pull, even if you don't work for the company anymore, you can go back in and they have records of it. So it's pretty easy to get. Yeah, I think that especially in the digital world, a lot of this stuff has become pretty pretty easy to get really quickly. You know, you're not a boots on the ground, you know, drumming all over town to to get this stuff. So number four, 60 days or a quarterly statement of all your asset accounts, which include your checking and savings, as well as any investment accounts such as CDs, IRAs, and other stocks and bonds. Yeah. So that for the most part is pretty accurate. We're going to need 60 days worth of the assets that you're going to use to purchase the home and any sort of reserves that you may need in order to qualify for it. If we're not going to use it for our transaction, we don't need it. Um, So if you have enough money for the down payment, your closing costs and whatever reserves you may need in order to qualify for that loan, and then you have another account that has you know, $5,000 in it that we don't need. We're not going to ask you for that documentation if if we don't need it. But in general, yes, you can do it. And again, with technology nowadays, we have services and a lot of other companies have them out there too, where that securely, you're able to give us access where we can pull those things electronically. We don't go into your site. We're not on your bank account website or anything else, but they have, um, you know, they have technology where they link them together and we can pull all that information in. So you don't even have to provide them to us. You just need to go and we don't even do it. You do it online, give us permission where it goes in there and it links to them. And um, we're able to pull the information that way as well. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, when they're looking at all that information, especially if you're like on the border of qualifying, I mean, when you're looking at reserves, you want to give the lender as much stuff as you can give them to show that you have. Yeah. I mean, sometimes having more reserves is going to help with qualifications and that sort of things uh, in doing it. So I always recommend to people if they, if you have the ability to link um, your bank or your financial institution um, allows for you to link to it. It, it. It's easier to do it that way. Then we don't have to, um, you know, we can, it'll update automatically. So right. you don't have to send me a new statement every single month if you're going through this process for several months trying to find a home. Right. Number five, any other current real estate holdings? This one is huge because. Um, again, you would be surprised. I mean, it's required on the application um, to list all the real estate that you own 
um, you know, here. And you'd be surprised on how many people think it's not a big deal that the the investment property that they own in Indiana <laughs> and they leave it off of there and um, it's going to be there. We have to know about that. And there are your mortgage lender um, does run information and there's reports that run and that will show up. I mean, it's uh, you know, I don't want to call it a background check because it's <laughs> I, not I, that, I, but it's it's like that where it's going to run reports. The, the amount of property you own is going to show up and it's just going to cause for more paperwork. So disclose it up front. I would think if anything would show up, it would be real estate that yes. you that you own. So, yeah. uh, you know, th- I mean, goodness. Um, number six, residential history for the past two years, including landlord contact information if you rented. Yep. So you were required on on all applications to have a two-year housing history or, or where you've lived for the last two years. Um regardless of where that's been. So to the point in the article, whether it's a landlord and a contact, whether you've lived with mom and dad, if you lived with a, you know, if you live with mom and dad and you didn't pay rent, you know, for, per se, we're going we're gonna to probably need to get a rent-free letter um, from mom and dad saying, you know, um, Mike lived here and you didn't right. have to pay rent or you lived with a friend or a boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it may be. But you have to have two years housing history on there. Um, and the same with the two year is, is for employment. So that's another big one. So some of the times, and a lot of times it's people that are are first-time homebuyers that maybe have had several jobs over the course of the last couple of years. We have to have a two-year history of employment on there. So be prepared to provide all of that information and and look it up. Otherwise, it's going to cause you more paperwork down the road. Now, that's all the article mentioned. Is there anything else that jumps out at you as stuff that they would probably be asked for that they need to provide? So the only the thing that jumps out at me most is if somebody is self-employed. Um, And so we did talk about two years federal tax returns on your personal side. But if you are self-employed and you have an S-corp, you have partnership returns, you have a C-corp, some of those, you you will also be required to provide the business tax returns for the same two-year period of time that needs to get there. And we have to use the same two-year period for, in those cases, for your business as we do for your personal um, it's going to be there. They can't, you know, you can't use a year off that's going to be there. So we have to see it's for the same two years. So sometimes there's a delay in filing some business tax returns, um, you know, that's going to be there. Well, then we can't use anything from, you know, if you pay yourself a salary, for instance, through your business, we can't use the salary you paid yourself in 2021 unless you filed your 2021 mm-hmm. business tax returns. Right. So sometimes you're going back and, and, and that can. So if you if you do own a business and you the business file separate returns, then be prepared to provide those as well. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, it gets to a whole nother thing when you own a business. But the great thing is that, you know, as far as a business owner or somebody who's self-employed, the guidelines have loosened up, especially Mm -hmm. over the last few years, even through COVID, there were certain guidelines and those have been lifted. So I think that it's a great thing, um, especially if you're out there. It's it's having a great lender that can walk you through the process. If you have a great lender who's going to tell you exactly what you need to provide, it's not a difficult process. It just might be a little cumbersome if you're self-employed, but you'll get there. So last thing, Mike, how do they get in touch with you one final time here? Yeah, for sure. You can always give me a call at 813-377-2743. Again, 813 813- Three seven seven two seven four three. Would love to answer any questions you have um, and, and talk through any anything that you might want to talk about. Yeah, and you can always reach us eight one three three five nine eight nine nine zero. And if you're looking to join as a real estate agent, we'd love to speak with you. We always need agents. We really need agents right now. Um, we're a great team to work for. We have great culture. We have a lot of fun. 
Go to our website, jointheduo.com, or you can go to duncanduo.com slash join, and you can reach out to us there, and we'd love to interview you and see if you're a great fit for our team. So go there, and um, it's been a pleasure talking to you this week, Tampa Bay. Have a great rest of your Sunday.